Sometimes we're really tempted to run away from our trouble. Get me out of trouble. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, a program that is designed to take you through the Bible. Now today we study Psalm 55 in about five minutes. It is going to be a fascinating study as we call on God and ask him to intervene. All right, we'll study on that. Now, Ryan and Corey are here. Corey? David uses all sorts of imagery to get his points across in the Psalms. One of those has to do with hunting, and we're going to take a look at that today. Ryan? Well, today I'm focused on Psalm 57, which is David's prayer to God when he was hiding from King Saul in a cave. And in that cave, David did something very interesting to Saul. We'll talk about it. Very interesting. They're coming up in about 20 minutes' time. Janice? Jesus? the burden bearer. All right, this is all coming up soon, so stay there. Psalm 55, 1 through 11. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me, I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. Psalm 55, verses 1 through 11. Psalm 55, 56, 57, 58, and 59 seems like a lot of chapters, but they're short chapters, and I love the Psalms. Songs of the Bible, the hymnal of ancient Israel, it's just great. And we should sing them today, meditate on them, and pray them all today. It's very, very good. Now, when the enemy of our soul troubles us severely, on whom do we call? Whom can we ask to help us when it feels like all the earth is coming against our work. Psalm 55 is a composition written by David at a time when the enemy was making advances towards him and it didn't look good for him. Now this contemplation of the book of Psalms is a great way for us to memorize and and to meditate on frequently. I've often assigned healing words from the Psalms to be read much like a prescription for the soul. Very interesting. To those who are suffering through trials and turmoil. Psalm 23 is what I do often. But when the enemy attacks you, whom do you talk to and what do you say? 
David gives us the answer. Quote, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Psalm 55, verse 16. It is made clear and we are assured that God will work with us and he understands what we're going through. God does not dictate evil that is directed our way, but he has the power and the ability to make us stronger as people and able to overcome it through the Lord Jesus Christ. And inviting him into our life is a perfect way to do that. As we face evil and come up against it, we need to ask the Lord to come into our heart. Father, help us today. Very, very important. Now, I want to say that if you have your Bible guide, and I would recommend that you get yours, but if you have it, turn it to today's passage, the call to God and the Bible guide, the mega Bible guide is about 40, what is it, 42, 43 pages? It's, it's uh, yeah, it is, 42 pages. So um, what you want to do is get a hold of that. You can write or call us, get one, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the page of the Bible guide, and it takes you to a donate page. And let me just say thank you for your donations. God is using you to sustain us and to help us in this time. We very much appreciate that. And Father, I pray that you would help the people today. And Lord, as we go into the call to God, help us to understand what this means. We, we need to open our hearts and we need to hear you. Because when we read the Bible, sometimes we just read it quickly to get through it. But help us today to hear the word of the Lord in our soul. This is very important, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, all of us, make it so. Amen. Let's look at this. This is fascinating. Psalm 55, verse 1. Here's what it says. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hear my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplications. <laughs> That's a, I love the first verses of these. It's great. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noiselessly, noisily. Because of the voices of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. Now this is amazing because God hears us when we call on him for help. We should be willing and ready to pray in every situation. Now I, I just need to tell you, I want to be clear about this. There were times pastoring and other times here at the ministry, when I faced situations, I'm sure I'll face situations again, when there is no way anybody could make it out that I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was just going my way. But the enemy has this way of twisting things. And then people come at you and bite at you and all that. That's when the psalm is great. Because there are some times you can only pray. And when you pray, God answers the prayer. It takes a little time, but as we pray and listen, don't strike out or anything, suddenly God answers the prayer. Very interesting. Psalm 55, verse 4. Here's what it says. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Did you hear that? The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. 
Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. You see, beloved, we often want to run away when we have trouble, right? Sometimes we are tempted to run away from our trouble. We must run to God, not away. He will help us and be our strength through our trials and troubles. You know, that's important because the book of James and Peter, John, Paul, they all talk about this and they say trials are good to help us go through. They never said trials are good to stop us. That's not what he said. Trials are good to help us go through. There are times we have to go through the trials. And when we go through the trials, it's not fun, let me tell you. But we somehow come out on the other end and we say, thank you, Lord. We got through it. I don't know how, but thank you. And God rewards us. And that is something that we need to pay attention to. You see, there's life experience and then there's experience with God's Holy Spirit. And we need to focus on experience with God's Holy Spirit. Very, very important. All right, let's move on because it gets better. 55, 9 to 11. Watch this. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night, they go around. They go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. And destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. Boy, he was honest about that. You see, God will destroy the evil that attacked for no reason. We should wait expectantly. And I use the word expectantly determined here. We should wait expectantly for the Lord to do the work of confrontation. You know, when we talk about peace, there are several ways that peace comes. God doesn't always bring things to a nice and fluffy end. There are times when it's a hard end, but God brings it to an end. And there are times when people have to be confronted. That's the end. Like it, love it, or leave it from God. But that's going to be the end. We need to trust the Lord. So in our situations and in our life, let's pray and say, Father, help us to know that we pray about these problems. We pray about these trials. But when we do that, Lord, help us to understand that the end will not come the way we want it. We pray that the end will come according to your will, that you will bring whatever the situation is to a place where you can, you, Lord, you, not us, you, Lord, get the full amount of glory and get all of the restitution and help us, Father, to be people who accept that and trust that in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. But a lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. 
Welcome back to the program. Today, my segment is based on Psalm 57, which is David's plea to God for mercy when he was hiding from King Saul in a cave. And this event is recorded back in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And in previous chapters, we read about King Saul's continuing effort to find and kill David. And in a divine twist, Saul enters a cave to relieve himself, but what he doesn't know is that David and his men are in the back recesses of that cave. Again, this is the historical backdrop for Psalm 57. Now, while David could have easily taken Saul's life here, he chooses instead to show mercy by secretly cutting off a corner of his robe. But David soon regrets even doing that, and the question is why? Well, while this might seem like not, not a big deal to you or me, in ancient Middle Eastern culture, it was a very big deal. And to find out why requires some cultural background study as well as some diligent Bible study. And our scriptural starting point is actually going to be Isaiah chapter 6. So let's do that. In the year that King Uzziah died, declares the prophet Isaiah, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In the ancient cultures, garments played an important role, which is why Isaiah's observation concerning the Lord's robe, and specifically to the train of his robe, is especially significant. The Hebrew word for train is shul, which means hem, border, fringe, bottom edge of a skirt or train. In the ancient world, the hem or fringes of a garment represented authority. Thus, to cut off the hem of one's garment was to strip that person of his authority and personality. In fact, a husband could divorce his wife by simply cutting off the hem of her robe. A nobleman could authenticate his name on a clay tablet by pressing his particular hem on a clay tablet. It was like a signature or seal. Thus, when David cut off the hem of Saul's garment, he was cutting off his genealogy that was embroidered in the hem. That was his symbol of kingship. This is why David later repented of that act against the Lord's anointed. Joseph's so-called coat of many colors was actually a seamless robe with a special hem which implied a position of privilege. When Ruth asked Boaz to put his hem over her, she was putting the claim of leveret marriage upon him, which he of course accepted. In God's covenant with Israel, he declares in Ezekiel 16.8, I will spread the edge of my garment over thee. In other words, God was putting his authority, his mantle, his protection, and his covering over Israel. In fact, according to the Mosaic law, every Jew was obliged to wear a fringe or tassel at each of the four corners of the outer garment, one thread of each tassel to be deep blue. These tassels were to be to them a perpetual reminder of the law of God and of their duty to keep it. This means that Jesus, as an obedient Jew, would also have had these tassels. In fact, this was the very hem which the woman with the issue of blood wanted to touch, because conceptually that's where his authority was. Of course, Jesus also wore a seamless robe, which interestingly enough was never torn during his crucifixion, perhaps signifying that his priesthood is without end. Indeed, according to the vision of Isaiah, our Lord still wears a robe in his heavenly habitation, and the train or hem of that robe fills the temple. Hence, as Jesus himself declared to his disciples in Matthew 28, 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So the train, hem, or edge of the garment in ancient cultures represented authority. And when we come to realize this, it really helps us to understand a lot of different Bible passages. And while David felt bad about what he did to Saul, the truth is that Saul was indeed falling out of power. 
Soon David would take his place. This is absolutely fascinating if we study this and understand. Uh, this makes a whole lot of sense to us and the scripture becomes more active in that mm -hmm. sense. So we need to pay attention. That's a good piece, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Corey? All right, I'm talking about hunting birds today, specifically ancient methods of hunting birds. Because as I said at the top of the program, at the beginning of the program, David and the other authors of Psalms and other authors throughout the Old and New Testaments, in fact, they utilize, like we all do, things that we all know very well, common customs, in order to get our ideas across. We use symbolism, we use imagery, because it's just the way we communicate as people. And one of these things is in fowling, the hunting of birds. So let's take a look at that practice specifically within the constraints of ancient Israel. Birds were both a source of food and sacrifice in ancient Israel. Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 13 preserve for us the list of fowl that were ritually impure and therefore not to be eaten or offered to God as sacrifice by the Israelites. As a general rule, birds of prey like eagles and falcons and carrion birds like vultures and ravens were ritually unclean. On the other hand, birds like pigeon, dove, and quail were acceptable as inexpensive sacrificial animals and fine to eat. Based on archaeological work in comparison with other contemporary cultures, we can be quite confident that ancient Israelites, where available, also ate partridge, geese, duck, chicken, and ostrich, as well as various bird eggs. Hunting wild birds is spoken of quite often in the Bible, likely due to the fact that it was a very common practice and that it provided useful imagery to the authors and poets of the Bible. Amos 3 verse 5 references the practice of trapping birds with a net filled with bait and laid on the ground, and Hosea 7 talks specifically about the use of nets in bird hunting. These descriptions are given visuals thanks to Egyptian tomb reliefs and paintings showing various forms and stages in fowling. Nets and traps, the use of blinds to shield hunters, and the aftermath of birds in cages and baskets are all depicted. Famously, a golden fan found in the tomb of Pharaoh Tutankhamun is decorated with an ostrich hunting scene. The pharaoh on his chariot is shown hunting ostrich with his bow and arrows with the help of a dog. Similar methods of hunting are spoken of throughout ancient Mesopotamia, though not depicted quite as vividly as in the remains from ancient Egypt. People also kept and domesticated several kinds of birds. In Israel, this not only made birds more accessible for meat and eggs, but ensured that birds used in sacrifice to God, like doves, would be unblemished, undamaged by the act of capture. The many columbaria found throughout Israel testifies to the doves' domestication. It's also believed that by at least the latter half of the time of the kings of Israel and Judah, domesticated chickens were kept in the land. The history of chicken domestication is a complicated one, but their presence in Israel is known thanks to chicken bones found at Israelite sites. There's also a signet seal that was found at Tel Nazba that reads, belonging to Jazaniah, servant of the king, above an image of a rooster in a fighting stance. It's possible that this Jazaniah may be the officer mentioned in 2 Kings 25-23. Interestingly, the Bible also mentions the importing and keeping of exotic animals by rich King Solomon, which may have included exotic birds. It's also said that fattened birds were served at Solomon's dining table, meaning specially fed 
domesticated birds. There we go. I just think that these sorts of studies are really interesting because when we, you know, when we, as we're reading through the Psalms and, and we hit on that where David's talking about being hunted or how God releases his feet, uh, you know, as if he was a bird uh, caught in a snare or a net, it helps us to understand or think of it in a different way. This was an everyday common practice, though today it's less common, especially, uh, you know, in Western society. So because we're we're trying to protect birds in Western society and there's a lot of people yeah. against the hunting and all that stuff. But yeah, this is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. You know, it, food and fashion. This is what birds were hunted for, essentially, were food and fashion in the ancient world. Wow. I, similar to today. But yeah, that is very, very <laughs> interesting. I, I find that fascinating. Very good. We learn a lot in the book of Psalms. I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Um, it, it's great to be sitting here at this table and hearing the, the segments that are extended here yes. that really open up and add a whole new dimension. I think it's it's very good. It's very special. What did you do? Well, today I titled my segment, Jesus, the Burden Bearer. And we are in Psalm 55. And it's this trust in God concerning the treachery of friends. David writes this psalm about a betrayal of a friend. We we read down and, and we don't even really get to that point. We don't really know what he's talking about until verse 12 Um for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it, nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal. It was a friend of his. He feels this betrayal. And the verses that I want to hone in on today is uh, fifty. So Psalm 55, verses 16 and 17, and verse 22. David is pouring his heart out. He says, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Verse 17, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. So David, in, in, in this, as we're looking at it, he's not suggesting that, that there's a number of times that you have to pray. It's, it really is evening and morning and at noon I will pray. It, it really is an all-encompassing thing. And those of you that follow the Lord Jesus Christ and, and make prayer a daily part of it's like breathing for us, isn't it? Especially when we are when we are praying for others, when we have trouble in our own lives, when we're praying for our brothers and sisters around the world, the persecuted church, it's like breathing for us. Um, God reminds us of things. He brings things into our hearts to begin to pray for. And I think that's very important in the life of a believer. And a lot of times when we do that, when we focus, especially on uh, the persecuted church, our brothers and sisters across the world, it really puts into perspective, um, some of the things that we struggle with. And it takes our attention off that. It puts our attention on where our trust and where our refuge and where our strength come, comes from. And that ultimately comes from God. Now, this verse here, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Does that mean that we will never face this verse? He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Does that mean then that as, as a follower of Christ, we won't have any more trouble? 
we won't have any more difficulties? No, that is not what this means. In fact, oftentimes when we turn our life around and we say, no, we don't want to follow sin anymore. We want to follow Christ. That's when a lot of things start to hit. And we are challenged in our very core. Well, is this because I'm following God now? And we have a decision to make. Are we going to continue to follow God, to take up that cross and follow him? Or are we going to stick with life the way it was before? So cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. As a follower of Christ, it's about learning to trust in the Lord in all things. And that's very easy to say especially when things are going well, very different when we're going through those trials and tribulations. But that's the time, my friend, to push into God, not pull away, but to push into God and praise him, be in his word and pray. Do what David did here. He starts off, give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. You can read in Philippians chapter 4, 4, where Paul talks about don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, bring your requests to God in thankfulness. Thank, thanking God for the position that I'm in or for the difficulty that I'm in? No, but thankful that it is God who will help us to bear those burdens. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus said, and this is for you and for me, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is a different kind of a rest. This is rest in the creator of the universe. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let God help you. Let the Lord Jesus Christ help you with that burden. Bring it to him. And as you bring your burdens to him, then it's we need to learn how to leave those there. Now learn how to trust in God. And, and over time, as we do that, we will see his faithfulness in our lives and it will become easier. That hurt that is deep, bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord morning, noon, and night. Let it be as your breath coming to the Lord Jesus. If you have a Roku box, it's easy to go and find the applications that you can watch things on NBC, ABC, CBS. And we have an app too. We've had one for years called BD Family and Friends. BD Family and Friends. Stands for Bible Discovery Family and Friends. We have a linear channel and all our programs are on there and you can stay in touch with us on a regular basis. Don't need a TV station or a network. That's our station. Go there and find it today. Today we pray, Lord, I pray for your mercy in the midst of the sin-filled earth. Help us today.